So, James, we had a great interview with Danny today. I mean, you know, this is what, maybe yeah. the third time Danny's spoken with us. And every time I just like, I, I get eager. It's like, yeah. I'm going to go out there and sell Zusa. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. I know. I, I, love what, I love what they're doing. I think, you know, really few and far between right now are the fully processor agnostic software companies that are focused on agents and ISOs. Right. And on and, and on many. helping them sell and their merchants sell, you know. Yeah, and today, talking about email marketing, text marketing, and, and really, though, we, we hardly even really talked about that. I mean, really, it was just about the, the idea of omni-channel payments and pulling that all together for the merchant right. and giving some different examples of that. And then also, I'll give a little spoiler alert, but at the end of it, uh, Danny gives a really cool offer to our listeners. Right. Right. That's the first thing. It's a really, really cool. You're definitely going to want to check that out. It's uh, it's pretty cool. So listen to the end of the interview. You'll get a good one there. And then, um, Patty, tell us about the Insiders Report. Well, you know, the interchange battle is heating up. Uh, Amazon, I think we talked about a few weeks ago, was trying to ditch uh, Visa in the UK. It right. backed off that plan. But, you know, uh, U.S. retailers now seem to be going at it um, themselves and, and bringing up the issue with Congress. I love it. Um, that's yeah, about love all it. I'm going to say about that. So stick around and listen to what James and I had to say about that. And then, James, I know your question from the field was a little bit intricate. It got a little bit into yeah. the weeds, but you want to give folks a little snippet of what expect? Yeah, one of the more difficult ones I've recorded, actually, because it's hard to talk about legal issues on a podcast where you can't really talk about legal issues. So right. uh, we talk about these letters that are coming from the state attorney general, specifically in New York and, and other states, um, about cash discounting and surcharging. Um, and so I did my best to point you in the right direction about what to do and kind of more how to think about it from a high level. Obviously, you're going to have to engage an attorney or in a consultant uh, in that uh, regard. But um, I think it's something you need to understand. If you right. if you have more than 20, 30, 40, 50 cash discount or surcharge accounts, your merchants are going to get a letter gonna at some get point. Some, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, time, it's time to understand uh, what to do about that. And then um, I'm, we're really excited to announce that our podcast sponsor, we have Valor Paytech. Yes. who our listeners are going to be very familiar with. And we worked with Valor, of course, last year for a long time. Mm -hmm. When the terminal shortage started, Valor had such high demand, uh, still have such high demand for their terminals that it was kind of like, wow, do we really want to push this anymore? Um, now Valor is back. They have a steady flow of uh, terminal supply. They're looking to add more ISOs. And it's really incredible, Patty, when I think about the beginning, when the first time that we talked about Valor on the podcast, mm -hmm. we're like this brand new terminal provider. It's kind of like, okay, where, where's their place? And mm -hmm. today, in my opinion, and from the conversations I've had, clearly the dominant industry leader right now when it comes to terminals in general. And then, right. of course, they're omni-channel because they have the terminal and they have the uh, the gateway and, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the other things that really work together there. Really pulls everything together, yeah. It does. So I think for, especially for the that smaller merchant account that you're selling, um, that's not looking for some crazy, robust, you know, full feature thing, um, you know, if they're looking for uh, terminal, smart terminal. They're looking for a gateway that's going to be that's going to work together with the terminal and all that. Really, really a fantastic solution. So once again, they can go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor. We got the link back up again. So ccsalespro.com slash V-A-L-O-R. Um, if you're not familiar with Valor Paytech, uh, you will love it. Fully processor agnostic, uh, fantastic terminals, amazing features, uh, really great, you know, simple gateway. So a lot of great features. We'll be talking more about them on the coming episodes for sure. Yeah. Again, uh, ccsalespro.com slash Valor. So uh, what do you say, James? Should we get into our podcast? Let's go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. 
everybody. I'm here today with my good friend, Danny McHale, who is the CEO at Zusa. How are you doing today, Danny? Good, James. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing fantastic. Yeah. So very exciting conversation today. Danny and his team are always working feverishly on the latest and greatest feature. Uh, you know, they started out Zusa. You have talked before about processor agnostic point of sale, which really now is just kind of this one element in the larger platform and ecosystem that Zusa has created with e-commerce and online ordering and all these other things. So, you know, Danny, it's been a little while since you were on the podcast. Give us a little update. How's everything going at Zusa? And give us the high level about this new uh, marketing feature that's pulling these omni-channel things together a bit. Excellent. Thank you, James. Thank you, Patty, for having us again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your guys' show. Uh, a lot a lot of good news, a lot of good, exciting things at Zusa happening. I mean, we had a 600% growth in 2021. Um, we continue to dominate what we consider uh, the market from a super app perspective. So as you know, Zusa uh, is a software designed for the fintech space that does everything from POS systems to online ordering, e-commerce, calendar, uh, mobile smart terminals. I think last quarter we did more smart terminals than any other thing, uh, which was pretty exciting. So uh, being a true omni-channel platform, we continue to add features and products that help our sales partners win new deals over the competitors. So that's really the way we've kind of positioned ourselves in the market is we work with ISOs, agents, banks, tech companies, marketing agencies, you name it. And, and our goal is to make sure we equip them with the best software possible to where as they're going out there against competing softwares, competing ISOs, competing brands, they're winning nine out of 10 deals. Yeah, love it, love it. So, okay, so let's let's start this by zooming out a little bit and talking about omni-channel, because I know this word means a lot to Zusa. It's really the direction that you've you know taken the company. So, um, you know, when you think about your most popular verticals, how do they accept payments today? How do they want to accept payments today, I should say? And how do their consumers want to make those payments? So I'm kind of just curious your thoughts today about, you know, omni-channel payments. Where is it at right now and kind of where is it headed? Sure, sure. We, you know, we, we always try to be ahead of the time at Zuza. We always look down the road two, three, four years and we say, okay, look, let's not, we, 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 we view ourselves more as trendsetters, not followers. So the one thing we've been honing on and preaching on the last few years, James and Patty, is we want to make it as simple as possible for a merchant to accept payments, right? Yeah. So, so you know, we love hearing our sales partners say, you know what, I used to have this merchant specifically just on a credit card terminal, but now they're doing online calendar appointments, taking a deposit with a credit card or a debit card, and I'm making revenue there, right? So Zusa's philosophy is however the merchant needs to accept a payment. It could be an invoice, it could be online, it could be e-commerce, it could be online ordering, online calendar, uh, credit card terminals, smartphones, POS systems, Android and Apple. Uh, we wanna make it as simple and as easy for the merchant to accept payments, which also makes it as simple and easy for our sales partners to set them up as well. Uh, and the beauty of what I just told you, James, is everything I just described from our omni-channel platform is all powered by one centralized dashboard. So they don't have right. to have 27 passwords and logins to uh, run a 100-location empire or a one-location uh, restaurant or hair salon, right? So that's always been our philosophy. So let's make it as easy as possible, as less friction as possible for the merchant and the sales partner to set someone up to accept payments. Okay, so, so that I mean I, I get that and then but I want to sort of drill down if you don't mind into this new marketing um, thing that you're talking about feature uh, offering. 
you know, you, you, you have a merchant, you know, maybe they uh, have a brick and mortar, maybe they do some online ordering, maybe they even do some telephone orders, you know. Um, how do you fit marketing into, you know, all of these different channels? And, you know, are merchants really looking for marketing um, that they can deploy ac across all these channels? So, so, you know, marketing is one of the most undersold products, I would say, in the fintech space. I think marketing, if you're not selling it today, you need to be selling it or, or you're going to have problems down the road. So mm -hmm. for Azusa, what we do, being a true omnichannel platform um, and, and a, you know, unlike a lot of our competitors, we have pretty much every software built in-house. So whether it's a gift card platform, invoicing platform, time and attendance, inventory, cash discounting, surcharging, it's all built on the Zusa rails. So uh, we recently announced earlier this month that, or earlier in January, I should say that, that we now rolled out marketing 2.0. So Patty, what that means is anywhere the merchant is accepting payments, they could now reward their customers with points, promotions, gift cards, however they want to reward them, and capture their data and analytics at any one of our payment platforms. So that's through the mobile device, online, POS, you name it. Uh, a merchant now knows who's buying what, at what time, and what product is being sold. So, so we make it extremely easy for the merchant to remarket out to these individuals. And again, being all one platform and, and, and all the solutions being baked into one. Uh, and that's, you know, this is why we're one of the original super apps in the marketplace. Um, that it makes it significantly easier for the merchant to capture that data and then resolicit and remarket back out to them. And so what you're saying that is basically what you're doing is offering ISOs and agents, the ability to capture that component of the relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Adding another layer of protection, another hedge around their residuals, and more importantly, another selling aspect to their portfolio. You know, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit here about some of the competing marketing solutions out there and how now our ISOs, agents, banks, bars, you know, our resellers, how they now have a solution to go out and compete against new competitors that they never competed against before. Right. Mm -hmm. So just really, it, it changes the, the, the landscape a little bit in the fintech world. I kind of have two little follow-up questions here, Danny. So the first one is I want to dig into this data component for just a minute and talk about the value of this, because I love what you said that, you know, something to the effect that if you're not selling marketing services today, you're going to run into problems down the road. And I think for a lot of it, our audience, they're kind of scratching their head saying like, what are you talking about? I sell payment processing. Why would it matter if I sell marketing? And so talk to us about data and why point of sale payment data, whether, you know, wherever the point of sale happens to be online, mobile, whatever, why is that payments data so valuable and why are there so many payfacts and large fintech companies that are leveraging that for marketing purposes? I'll answer that question with a quick story. So during our beta stage in Q4, we had a cigar lounge that was using the Zusa platform. It was one of our ISOs here in Phoenix, um, Scottsdale metro area. And it was a cigar lounge that was using a point of sale system with constant contact, right? We all know who constant contact. Yep. It was either constant contact or MailChimp, don't quote me, one of the major marketing platforms. And he would send out emails and promotions uh, throughout the months. When we moved him over to our marketing platform, we sat down with him, we said, listen, Andy, uh, individual's name was Andy. We said, Andy, here's what you should do. 
Instead of sending out 10,000 emails to 10,000 people, you have a cigar cutting event this Friday night. And that specific cigar is a specific blend that certain people don't like because it's way too powerful. Why don't we, instead of sending out 10,000 emails, let's send out 500 emails and text messages to only the people that smoke Tatawahe's, right? Only the Tatawahe smokers and buyers. So we filtered down to that list. We found out who those buyers were. We sent out a text message. He said it was his best event in 10-year history, in his 10-year wow. history. Wow. So instead of sending out 10,000 emails, which a lot of those guys only do emails, we do text and email, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, we sent out 500 to those uh, individuals. I think he had like, I don't know, 30% show up, which was crazy because he used to run like three, four, 5%. Uh, so, so he literally canceled his other, uh, like multiple other softwares. He was actually using a different gift card platform as well. So we migrated all his gift card data, migrated all his customer management data, migrated all his marketing campaigns uh, into our point of sale. So now with one platform, he's literally running everything. We're about to, he's about to cancel his WooCommerce as well. Uh, so we're migrating all his e-com store for all the cigar lighters, cutters, all that. So, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. that's really the difference with our p- marketing is instead of a, a, a buckshot approach where you're just shooting, you know, at a thousand different people, we can really hone in and find out who your top Pinot Noir drinkers are on Friday night between nine and midnight, right? right and right. advertise to those guys. Yeah. So that's really the big difference with us, James. And I would yeah. imagine that then you'd be doing the same thing, right? Uh, you know, I could I could envision like a pizza parlor, say. Uh, I know that's one of James's favorite examples. But you could have a pizza parlor that, you know, notoriously it's slow on Tuesdays. It can go through and figure out all the people, uh, you know, who really like Stromboli's. Let's just say that. Right? Even better. Let's talk about the good people that are, we know are going to heaven that like pineapple on their pizza. Ah, that's okay. my thing. I was going to say that. Thank so, you very much. So, so if I've got a bunch of pineapple, if I've got yep. a bunch of pineapple going bad Friday night and I need to right? get it out of the door on Tuesday, okay, right. why let it go out? Why let it go bad and go to the dumpster on Friday night when I want to sell it on Tuesday? So right. I'm going to go in, see who my top pineapple pizza lovers are. Obviously, right. my name will come up. And, and I'm going to send out a text <laughs> message to those guys at 50% off or, or buy one, get one free. Okay. Hey, I'm there. Exactly. So it's, it's very specified niche marketing. And that's and that's really what we're yeah, uh, making yeah. it. You know, our philosophy is like, look, what if we can prove to you that our software isn't going to cost you money? It's going to make you money. Make you money. Right. right. Well, then at right. that point... You know, it should be for, for the sales agent, it should be, well, wait a minute. I love this program, right? right. I love it. So yeah. that's that's really our our approach. And again, it, our, our philosophy is whatever the merchant needs, if it's marketing, gift cards, loyalty, time and attendance, inventory, cash discounting, uh, calendar and appointments, invoicing, you know, we bake it all into one platform and then we let them pick what they want. Yeah. And again, I think, I think, I think ultimately the, where the real value comes in with that, of course, is that data, right? Because the idea is, you know, whoever has the data has the stickiness, you know? So, so the idea might be, well, you know, they could try to move to another platform, but they ended up having to move to three or four different platforms in order to try to piece it all together. And then it's like, well, if I want to send an email out to everybody that bought this certain kind of pizza, well, how do I know that I have everybody. What if they bought it on, on an online order? What if they did it through right. the phone order? What if they came in and bought it? Well, that's where, you know, you've got to have all that data unified. And then once you do, the problem is 
if you provide that, and I think to your earlier point, Danny, if you provide that data, but then you don't, you know, enable the merchant to leverage that data to then grow their business. Well, then what's the what point? Why did you collect all yeah. the data in the first place? Right. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you know, Zusa has always been about leveling the playing field, James. Right. That's why, if right. you remember the story, the history back in 2013, we wanted a solution that was designed for the small merchants and the mid-sized merchants that they could have the tools that the big boys like the Amazons and the Walmarts and those guys have. Right. So, step A, we really want to build the software that can help our merchants grow and, and kick those guys' tail, right? Yep. This was one of the pieces we identified that most small merchants don't have access to their own data. The right. second thing was we also want to level the playing field for ISO's agents banks. You know, we, we, we are, we've been called the superhero by a lot of our partners because we give them a tool that goes up against the big boys, right? That, that says, hey, you know what? I no longer am a prisoner in my own industry. I now can board on Zusa, they're, they're processor agnostic, I can go anywhere I want and the tools they give me it's the same tools that the bigger boys have. So we make it easier for the merchants to compete. We make it easier for the uh, res our resellers to compete by giving each one of them what they need to actually succeed in the industry. So you're absolutely right. That data is important. And, and then and then remarketing it out and making it easy. You know, one other thing I do want to tell you uh, with our software, with our platform, there's already some preset templates, but there are thousands of preloaded pictures. So if I'm a bar and I just want to quickly do Budweiser, I could pull it, boom, attach it. It's literally click and drag, type a little message, pick, set my filters for who I want to target, send out 500 text messages. will take you 30 seconds. So we've made it that easy. We've also yeah. built what's called automated marketing. So if I know Tuesdays, Patty, they're my slow days, and I just want to send out 50% off coupons to my customers every Tuesday, I could set it once and I'll send it out every Tuesday. I never have to do it again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love, I love it. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, one of the things that's always kind of baffled me a little bit, Danny, I know you and I have had conversations about this in the past, is, you know, kind of a lack of interest from like agents and ISOs a lot of times to sell solutions in general, but marketing in particular, and you, you mentioned this, you alluded to this earlier, really always has kind of been interesting to me. So I guess I have a two-part question, you know, um, you know, number one, are you seeing a lot of interest from merchants, you've already picked on it a little bit, but talk about kind of the interest you're seeing from merchants. And then also when you think about your partners, your resellers, the ones who have kind of grabbed onto this, they're doing well with it. Give us a little insight. Like how are they doing it? What's their focus like? Give us some insight there. Yeah, um, it, it's been a 50-50 mix. The people that understand marketing, it's been a game changer for them. I mean, I, I told one of our partners that we're going on, I'm, I'm doing this show with you today. He begged me not to. He's like, I don't want anyone else to know this tool exists for people in our space. And I said, it's not going to work that way, buddy. But uh, it's a game changer because honestly, again, imagine walking into the merchant store and saying, hey, listen, I'm here to make you money, right? right. I'm not here. Hey, let me, it's not, it's no longer, let me look at your credit card rates because I'm here to make you money. Oh, and by the way, if you want me to remove all your credit card fees that we've got a cash discounting program, but I'm here to make you money so far. And, and we don't, we're going to do a very detailed case study on it. But thus far, the amount of returns that are coming back from the texts and emails are huge. I mean, they're, they're massive. It's, it's much higher than what our partners are seeing with MailChimp, Constant Contact, Five Star, okay? Because all those programs, are they're nice marketing programs, but being a true point of sale system and an omni-channel solution, we know what that consumer is spending, at what time he bought it, what card he used, how he bought it, whether it was online, in, in person, or mobile. So we gather all that data so we can really filter down 
and, and send out the right message. That being said, we're seeing much more traction with the people coming in and redeeming the coupons and redeeming the QR codes, uh, things like that. So people that have a background in marketing, they're absolutely, they're running with this. A lot of the people that have no idea about marketing, James, they're definitely intrigued by it. And they are starting to sell it because of how simple we've made it. Okay, because really the merchant says, well, how do I market? Easy, sell your products and in 30 or 90 days, I'll be back. And let's look at who your top customers are and let's start sending out coupons. Let's start sending out birthday cards. Let's start sending out whatever. Um, around the holidays, send out a text message saying 20% off all gift cards. You know, spend, spend $80, get a $100 gift card. We had one customer in our beta do that last month. I think he sold about, I don't know, seven, dollars $8,000 in gift cards in one month. Yeah. That's, that's remarkable for a small merchant to add seven, dollars $8,000 in gift card sales, new gift card sales. In one month. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's game changing stuff right there. So are you finding that the ISOs and the agents, I mean, again, I know it, 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 it hinges on their uh, marketing expertise, of course, or their familiarity with it. But are you finding that more, I mean, I know, like you said, a lot of them just want to sell payment processing, right? So how are you selling this to the ISOs and agents? The beauty of it is all of our software is on one platform. So it's already there. So if they're selling Zusa POS, they're now selling Zusa marketing. Got okay. It. And yes, we are getting it. It's been one of the hottest items that we released. I can tell you that much. It's, it's definitely been one of the more well-received product lines that we've released. So I think on our last marketing training call, we had at least a few hundred people uh, wanting more information, more detail. Um, so, so it's, it's definitely been well-received. I think a lot of people are intrigued by it, uh, James and Patty. We, we're talking a lot of people who have been in the industry 10, 15, 20 years. And they say, well, I didn't know I could offer that. We, and, and, and our answer is, well, you should because your merchant is selling, you know, Five Star. They're selling, which by the way, Five Star now does merchant services. They're selling um, a constant contact. They're selling MailChimp. And, and we come in now and we're saying, look, take the revenue they're paying there, put it here, and add an additional revenue stream to you. Average merchant spends thousands of dollars um, a year in marketing, literally. So we're telling our partners, why don't you capture a piece of that, right? And then make it even more stickier. The, the big thing is back in the days, James, I think you know my story. I had a bunch of, I was the largest Papa John's franchisee in the Midwest, or at least in the state of Michigan. Right. And right. I remember spending four or $5,000 a month on these little coupons, these Advo drops, whatever it was called. And we sent out four or $5,000 in coupons a month. We had no idea what came back. Like we had no idea, okay, do we do it again the next month? Right. Was it a waste? Right. With Zusa, we give you a full report. You sent out $1,000 in coupons. It generated $7,000 in profit. Right. Okay, well, so. I'm really glad you brought that up because that was actually the next thing that I was gonna I was gonna bring up, which is, you know, on the other side of this, from a data perspective, it's not just about collecting the data on the front end, right? It's also about, you know, something that MailChimp and Constant Contact and Drip and these others are, are trying to do, but they really have a very difficult time. It's really impossible for them to get the, the visibility is what did that turn into? Right. And that's yeah. what you have because you also have the data on the back end, which says, okay, of the people that received this email, how many of them came in and bought? Like mm -hmm. maybe they didn't all use the coupon, you know, how many of them clicked on it and then they came back in and bought or maybe they, and again, where do they buy? Well, did they buy in the store? Did they buy online? Did they buy with a phone order? You know? So I think that's the key is having that data again. It's like, 
you know, I think our industry doesn't have a clear understanding the no. way that like Square and, and PayPal and Stripe, I mean, they all get it. It's like, this is a data game and right. whoever has the most data wins because but as long as you're giving your customer the opportunity to, to leverage it, the data um, and that's what, you know, that's what you're doing. So, um, okay. Absolutely. So, so, so I love all of that. Um, I do want to transition here just a little bit because I want to talk about some changes and, and I know you and I had a good conversation about this the other day. So, you know, historically, Zusa has really kind of claimed one of the big claims to fame has been the white label program that you do for the ISOs. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I know that lately you've really streamlined the idea for the individual agent. So you've got the individual agent. They're not trying to, you know, they don't need their own brand. They just need a really good software to go sell that needs to be processor agnostic. So talk a little bit for us about what that's like and what your focus is now with these individual agents and give them a little tip of like, where should they go to learn more? Give them some, some ideas of what they could do to actually sell the software. Absolutely, absolutely. We've had a little bit of a pivot, as you just mentioned, right, where uh, historically speaking, Zusa made its splash in, in, in the industry because we are one of the few true white label platforms. So if someone wants a white label mobile app, white label online ordering, white label POS, I mean, we do it all, right? Uh, but, but starting this month, actually, January 1st, 2022, one of the things we've started to do is, is we do have a different requirement now. So we're not allowing everyone to kind of go the reseller white label model, right? Uh, we want more, more people to start off the agent route and then, you know, graduate to the reseller model. Obviously, that doesn't apply to your true ISOs and, 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 and true banks. But the independent guy, if you're a one or two man shop, you know, we're now putting them on this agent program. And it makes it a heck of a lot easier, right? There's no commitment. You board a merchant or two. You could try it out. For everyone listening on this call today, we're going to do uh, 60 days free software for them and their merchants to try it out. So no commitment. And, and we know they're going to love it. So try it out. No charge to them for 60 days. After 60 days, when the merchant likes it, we just bill them directly. Right? right? So it really costs the agent nothing. So all of your listeners can sell the Zusa system tomorrow for free. And... Uh, that's really the route we want to take with a lot of our independent agents and and, and even our smaller ISOs, right? That one, two, three man shops. Right. That's where we're going. And again, there's no financial commitment up front. It's free to get started. And just to clarify, uh, that's that's not only free to the agent to get started, also now free to the merchant. So our listeners, uh, and you'll give us some information about where to go to learn more about this, I'm sure. But they'll they'll be able to go and say tomorrow, they could go out to a merchant and say, Hey, here's Zusa. Here's all these different things that you can do with Zusa. And I'm going to let you try it out free for 60 days and no software yep. fees. That's what you're saying. Exactly. That's fantastic. If they don't like it, they, they yeah. can walk after 60 days. So, uh, or, or during the 60 day period. So, uh, that's what we're doing for all the uh, CC Sales Pro listeners. Uh, because again, we love your audience. We love the show. Uh, and, that's, and that's really something new that we didn't offer in years past. Because uh, again, we made our splash in the industry. It was mostly designed for your mid to large size ISOs. And that's still by far one of our largest um, portfolios and you know groups is, is a larger banks and larger ISOs and mid-size ISOs. But um, we want to try to get as many of these independent agents now on board as well uh, by offering them a program like this. And again, no commitment, no starting period, no nothing. And then if six months down the road, they say, you know what? We love it. Let's talk white label. We'll have that discussion then, right? But at least now, where with the white label, there is a financial commitment up front. Uh, at least now, there's no commitment. Right. right. They can just jump in, get it going, and, and try it out. So, Danny, um, where would you send people that want to learn more about that, they want to get started? Where should they go to learn more? You know, send us an email. You can go to our website, www.getzuza.com. Okay, so G-E-T-Z-U-Z-A.com. 
Uh, or you could send us an email to info at getzusa.com. Either way, if you go to our website, uh, there's there's a section up there that says contact us. So getzuza.com um, and, and reach out to us there. And one of our associates will get back to you guys in a timely fashion. Awesome. Danny, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. Really appreciate it. I love Be it. Be sure Thank to mention uh, the Merchant Sales Podcast so that you can uh, benefit from what Danny's offering. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Good stuff, Danny. Thanks again. Thanks, James. Thanks, Patty. Awesome, Dan. Thanks. So, Patty, again, Valor Paytech, the official sponsor of the podcast. So excited. Love their terminals. If you're looking for selling standalone terminals and or you want a standalone terminal that integrates with a gateway, simple, easy to support, easy to sell, go to ccsalesport.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So Patty, I'm going to tackle an interesting topic today. I'm going to talk about uh, some of the letters that are coming from the uh, state attorney general offices, uh, specifically in New York, but other states as well, regarding cash discounting and uh, surcharging programs. Um, now, this one is definitely a segment where I need to start out by saying that neither Patty or I, you know, we are not uh, legal experts. We're not attorneys. Um, this is not legal advice. We're not financially liable for anything you do with this information, whether you choose to use it or not. So let's start off with that because this is an interesting topic because each subject is a little bit different. So the reason I'm saying this now is I actually got an email from um, an agent in the industry that I know pretty well has a, a established office and he got his first one of these letters from the state attorney general's office. And so we have a consulting call us next week to oh, talk about okay. that specific situation. Um, and now, again, I heard of the ones out of Florida. Was this out of Florida? Or was no, this, this is New York. New, this is New York. York. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now, the ones in Florida are, that have been coming out are kind of baffling, actually. And we yeah, talked about are. that in a previous. Right. It's right. kind of like, I don't even know what they're trying to really say. They're citing a law that's already been deemed unconstitutional that the attorney general there has already said they're not going to enforce. Right, so, right. You know, my advice there is, is very different. Uh, in New York, the issue is that they do have a law on record that makes virtually every surcharge and cash discount program for a physical location business um, illegal. So oh, really, and, and it really does actually. So um, the issue there is their law. And again, I'm paraphrasing here, so bear with me, but their law basically says you can't do anything with these programs that necessitates a calculation by the consumer. Mm, okay. So okay. you can't say we add 50 cents to something. You can't say we add 3%, you know, because, uh-huh. you know, whatever you're doing there, that means they would have to calculate what they're going to pay. They don't know exactly what they're right. going to pay when right. they're deciding to buy it. And so as a result of that law, you know, it's really difficult. And so even, you know, really established compliance expert, you know, surcharge type companies, in the state of New York are primarily making this available to card not present environment where it's pretty easy to show a cash and a credit price, but Mm -hmm. in the physical stores, you know, unless you're going to show two prices, um, you know, you're going to have a bit of a problem now here. So here's the irony though. So I want to zoom out for a minute on this. So the irony is I'm, I'm fairly convinced I'm New York and Florida are in a bit of a tie, I would say right now, but 
I'm fairly convinced that New York has the highest saturation for non-cash adjustment and service fee programs of any state in the in the United States. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Florida might be right there with them. It's pretty close. California but, might be pretty close as well. Well, actually, no. California, because California had that lingering legislation about the surcharge ban that they just lifted not too long ago. Right. People were a little bit more leery in California to do it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. The, the, I got the, the first places I saw were in California. Yes. Okay. So yes. And there and there are some there. But, it, but the difference was in New York and Florida, those states have also the highest saturation of merchant level salespeople. Okay. Okay. That had been pushing the program. And so it's really more driven by that than anything else, to be honest. Right, right. Sure. So what do we do about this? Well, there's there's a couple of approaches that I want to mention here and, and a couple of things I just want to clarify. So number one, it's very important when you look at these letters. And again, I have to be a little cautious with this one. So it's very important when you look at these letters that you understand exactly what the attorney general's office is asking you to do and exactly what penalties they are willing to impose if you don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is a decision to be made here by you, by the merchant. Uh, hopefully, you're getting an attorney involved, things like this. But there's decisions to be made here. So there's several things that that can happen. So again, understanding that, like pretty much, you know, most businesses that are doing this program, they're probably in a community with five or six hundred other businesses that are doing the exact same program. So the first thing that I would say here is number one, and most importantly. We're at a point in the evolution of cash discounting and surcharging. It's time to have a conversation with your merchants if they are not properly educating the consumer Mm -hmm. about the intention of their program and Mm -hmm. maybe as important, if they are being in any way rude or obnoxious about the way that they're imposing it. Yes. Um, And and by that, by extension, of course, I mean their employees. Their employees, of course. Yes. So let me just say, number one, if you're in the state of New York and you're, you have a merchant that does not understand that business owners in general are fighting together to be able to do these programs. And as a result, it's incumbent upon them that if any consumer has a concern, waive the stupid fee. Yes. Okay. If they're not doing that, if you are not enabling them to do that, you are crazy and you are hurting everybody. Right. Okay. And that, that one merchant is hurting everybody because you're only going to have maybe one out of a thousand customers who's going to raise Harry Harry. Right. So, and, and and you may have one out of, you may have one out of a hundred, one out of 60, somewhere in that range that will say something. They're not like super upset. Right. You don't really know how upset they are, but they're like, what is this fee? And that's where you have your no surprise policy. No surprise Mm -hmm. policy says if a customer is surprised by the fee, waive the fee for them that time. Okay. So that's the most important piece of advice I can give you because once the merchant gets this letter, it is a little bit tricky to walk back because ultimately the program you're doing probably is breaking that specific law. Right. Right. I, I don't know what to tell you there, you know, now, now let's say, unfortunately this happened, a customer complains. Cause again, it's not like the, the, the attorney general of, of these States, at least not to my knowledge, they're not like going out there, and doing this. Now, I did hear that Visa and MasterCard do have mystery shoppers now um, oh, really? that are doing a little bit of this and they're notifying the state attorney general's office, that kind of thing. So there's a little bit of that going on too. But the idea is, you know, no surprise is important. But then if you do get the letter, a couple of things about it, you know, the key is to work with an attorney or someone to make a response 
And again, depending on the severity of the letter and where they're at in this process, because they may have no option other than to say, sorry, you can't do the program right now. Like, yeah, maybe right. we can reinstate it in a year. Let's see how legislation goes. This is a recent change. So that's on the table. I want to make that really clear here. You know, there are absolutely cases where they are doing something illegal relative to the law. I don't know anyone. I mean, it's, it, I'm not saying it's like they need to go to jail. I'm just saying speeding is illegal and, you know, breaking the speed limit is illegal. And in the state of New York, doing a non-cash adjustment program where there's a calculation, probably by the attorney general's definition would be illegal. So right, right. what you have to understand is if they get one of these letters, you may have to go in there and say, look, this is the state attorney general. There's tons of businesses that are doing it. So this is totally unfair to you, but this is a recent change. And, you know, it's a slap on the wrist. Um, how you choose to respond to it is up to you. One possible option on one extreme is to fix the problem. Okay. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. The other extreme is to do nothing and just to keep doing the program as it is. They don't always request a response. And so sometimes, and again, I got to be careful. This is not legal advice. I'm not liable for anything. I'm just trying to tell you the reality of what's happening in these states. Okay. So a lot of times what happens is nothing. They don't do anything. The, the attorney general doesn't ask for a response. The danger there is the same customer comes back in three months later, you have the same program, they reach back out again, second complaint. Now you get a more strongly worded letter, you know, right. second or third time is the charm. Next thing you know, you got a problem. And the problem is they're going to come and either fine you. Um, they're going to, you know, they can sue, the, the state can sue you for fee, all fees you've charged to all consumers since the beginning of time for this mm -hmm. program. You know, that kind of thing has happened in a couple of states. So yep. you do have to be very careful and very cautious with this, but you can go the other extreme, which is just don't respond and don't change anything and see what happens. And sometimes that's actually the best approach, in my opinion, in, in some situations. Okay. Uh, again, depending on a lot of criteria. But again, even if, if, if you don't respond and there's a likelihood that customer is coming back, make sure that you have a policy in place to waive the yes. fee. And, and again, to communicate the purpose of the program. This right. program was not put in place to screw the customer. This program was put in place so we didn't have to raise our prices for everybody. Right. You know, we could have raised our prices for everybody, but we didn't want to do that. We only wanted to do a price increase that would, you know, we didn't want to negatively impact our customers that pay with cash. Right. So that's, that's the key. You know, you got to, you got to position that right off the bat. The signage has to position that everything. Um, but then the middle road is to make a response um, and make a response that asserts that what this merchant is doing is actually a cash discount. Mm -hmm. And you can even make that response such that the merchant has made some changes. So you could say, and again, I'm, don't quote me here, this is not legal language, but you know, the idea would be, I've done responses before and said, um, thank you for bringing our attention to this matter. We were unaware of this particular legislation, which is probably true on the merchant's behalf. We were unaware of this legislation. We have made the changes necessary to ensure that we are offering a compliant cash discount program to our customers. That's vague. Right. It doesn't really say much. What exactly did you change? What did you do? Um, but it just says, hey, we, we believe this is a compliant cash discount program and we've made changes. That could mean we've changed the sign to represent some additional language, whatever the case might be. Um, and so that's a good middle of the road. I generally like that approach because mm -hmm. it's, it gives them a response and it shows down the road. If something happens again, it's not like you just ignored the attorney general of your state. Which right. Is right. Not a great idea. Not a good idea. Yeah. So instead it's like, Hey, we made a response. We did make some adjustments and some changes. 
Okay, apparently that still wasn't up to snuff, but understand there are thousands, tens, probably 10 or 15,000 businesses in the state of New York that are doing this program and only a handful of them have ever gotten a letter from the state attorney general. So the odds are you may not ever get another letter. And if you respond positively, that's enough to end the process. So there's your three approaches. So again, I realize this was maybe not the most helpful because it's a little bit vague because I just can't, you know, if you're one of my consulting clients, I'd be happy to get more specific, but I have to have a non-disclosure agreement and all of these things and have written stuff that I'm not an attorney and all that. So this was a little bit of a tough one to cover, but I just wanted to make sure you knew that, you know, the big thing I want to get across is, you know, you shouldn't get terrified and scared when you see that your merchant got a letter from the state attorney general. It's going to happen. If you have any, if you have 50, 60 cash discount merchants or more, you're going to get a letter. One of them is going to get a letter. I mean, it's going to happen in most, in, in a lot of these states, not some of the states, but especially if it's in New York or these other, some of these other states, like even like California, um, they're going to get a letter. And when they do, you don't need to freak out about that. You need to back up and look at the reality of it. What are they, what are they demanding? If anything, um, are they asking for a response? right? That's important. If they're not asking for a response, you don't have to respond. So do they want a response? And what exactly are they saying? This is important. Like what exactly are they saying that this merchant is doing that is either illegal or not compliant or whatever? You know, you got to understand the specifics of it and then get an expert involved. Like I said, right. I'm glad to deal with it as a consultant. Um, there are industry attorneys that would be glad to help. I can make a recommendation there. So get a little bit of help. Um, if you do need to do a response and and think through it a bit. But again, generally speaking, you know, it's not a one strike and you're out type scenario. Right, right. Most of the time you have a couple times to figure this out, but you don't want to get to that second or third strike. Um, but that's a problem. When you get to strike number two, you better just stop the program for a little right. while. Let the right. heat clear, figure out what's going on. Um, we, we don't want to have a situation where we're in the paper as, you know, such and such payment processing you know, was doing this program that was illegal for this merchant and they got fined right. $60,000. You'd really don't want that. So, right. But be even careful. before that, you know, even before the first letter, you really need to educate merchants yes. and educate them to educate their frontline people yes. and, and be willing to waive the fee for that one, you know, 1% of people who might have a problem with it. And if Absolutely. you do that, the chances of you getting these letters from the attorney general are far less. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. again, bit of a rambling one today. Hopefully you got something out of it. And again, when you get these letters, the big takeaway is educate your customers, as Patty just said before, so you don't you know, avoid getting them. If you right. do get them, it's okay. Pause. It's not like the, the, the attorney general is not like waiting for you to call. You know, you're okay. You can take a couple of weeks. You can figure out what you need to do. Take a chill and just relax, figure out what they really want and, and analyze it and then figure out the best case scenario on this uh, from, you know, usually taking a middle path is, is the best one. Though. So hopefully that's a help. Yeah. Hope everybody has a great week. Thanks, Shane. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Okay, so, you know, James, a few weeks ago, I reported on Amazon um, and oh, yeah, how sure. it was going to be blocking Visa cards issued in the UK. Right. And, uh, you know, Amazon was miffed because, uh, you know, after Brexit, interchange went up in the UK. And, you know, we, we speculated, you and I, that it was a negotiating tactic, but then it got pretty close to the date and they still hadn't pulled on the brakes. Yeah. Well, the day after we recorded that podcast, they pulled the brakes. 
Um, okay. So they are at least for the in the way they announced it to their their um, shoppers was that it's a um, they left. Let's just say they left the door open right. for right. for you know banning Visa cards again. Right. But um, now it seems um, U.S. retailers have been emboldened by uh, Amazon's success in the U.K. And they're asking Congress to intervene. Really? Yeah. I didn't know about this. Okay. Yes, yes. The Merchant Payments Coalition, which is made up of trade associations that represent all the various retailers. You know, it's NRF and NACs and, you know, all the various, you know, uh, different uh, trade groups. They sent a letter to uh, leaders of the House and Senate Banking Committee urging action to promote competition and retail card payments. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting thing about the Merchant Payments Coalition or MPC to is how they go, the name they go by. You know, this was found was a group founded several years ago pretty much to just lobby against the card brands. Mm. And in fact, they were the guys that came up with the notion of swipe fee. Um, okay, to sure. characterize interchange as a swipe fee. Yeah, which sure. you know was a was a pretty you know, it yeah, was a coup a, in my mind. Yeah. Um so, quote, uh, U.S. merchants, large and small, are closely watching the Amazon visa developments in the U.K. and hope that U.S. policymakers are doing the same, uh, the group wrote in its letter uh, to Congress. The letter explains how the rising interchange is worse in the U.S. than in the U.K. You know, we know that interchange here is upwards of four times what the U.K. merchants pay, and yearly total interchange are, is about 100 times as high. But, of course, we have to take into account that our market is much bigger. Right. Of course. Yeah. But, but Uh, still, but still it goes to show that, you know, normally the more volume, the more, you know, if I go, if I go to like Danny's point earlier, I mean, if I go to Costco and I buy, you know, a hundred rolls of toilet paper, I expect to pay a lower price. than if I buy a pack of four, I expect to pay a lower price per roll in the U S we are buying, you know, lots of interchange and it's costing us more per transaction and much more overall. Right. Right. And then, you know, the pandemic has created what, what these guys refer to as an unearned windfall yeah. for the card brands. You know, more, a lot of commerce, you know, a lot of buying has moved online where virtually everything is plastic and yep. the rates and the, and the interchange rate is higher. Yep. Um, interchange is also driving up inflation. And I hadn't thought about this before, but, you know, the group mm. insist, uh, said that every time prices go up, you know, interchange is collected on a larger base amount, creating a multiplier effect. Yeah, now, I really think about that. It's on such a large percentage of the transactions. Right, right. Yeah, that's a real. And, you know, driver. I think that I think that goes to another point they made, which is that you know the interchange collected by the card brands over the last ten years has increased by over a hundred percent here in the U.S. Now, yeah. again, that's based on rising interchange. Um, more more commerce moving to the online channel, um, inflation. You know, there's a lot of contributions to that, but their point is, is that, you know, this is a right. lot of money for a lot of transactions. It really um, is. Yeah, it really so is. So they said, uh, I'm going to quote the, their letter here, merchants want to be heard, but they don't have the ability to reject either Visa or MasterCard to do so. The answer, they said, is, transparency and competition that would allow market forces to result in reasonable swipe fees where all parties can benefit. Since the card industry has chosen not to compete on its own, it's up to policymakers to find a way to make this happen. 
Wow. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting. I feel like, uh, I think it was our last episode you were talking about the B2B. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there ends up being legislation about payment processing this year, I'm going to start looking pretty smart. <laughs> I know, like, right? Just a couple of few weeks ago, I said. Because we said this a few, a few weeks ago. We said, you know, yeah. chances are this is going to go. And uh, yeah, it's actually folks, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so between your predictions about B2B, mine about the legislation, and then We'll see and what happens. Our, I mean, both of our predictions about interchange. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, and I think it's so interesting too, again, I, I bring it up all the time, but it's, you know, within the context of surcharging and cash discounting, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think it's such an easy out for policymakers at this point Yes. to say in the U S right. Cause, because, because right. again, you know, the, the U S is so different from the UK. We're, we're I mean, a very it, unique market. We really yes. are. And yes. you know, as a general rule, the U S market does tend to turn to regulation as a last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, capitalism is kind of the default and, and I'm, I'm happy about that. It's worked out well for me, but, but, you know, I get it. There's a place for regulation as well, but I think what's interesting here is, you know, if policymakers want to have their cake and eat it too, they can come back and say, okay, fine. We're just going to allow any kind of surcharge on any kind of card in any kind of situation. Yes. Now you have a free market retailers. Good luck. Yes. Yes. That's the, I think that that's. That's the way to go, right? Yeah, it's the easiest swing for them. And so I think it's definitely going to be more than that over time. I think it's going to be much more regulation over time. But to me, and, and, you know, even when you look at the wording of their letter, you know, they say, we need you to promote a free market where, you know, we have the ability. Well, that's, I mean, what what other solution is there? What are are policymakers supposed to do here? You know, they can't micromanage rates. You know, that they already tried that with the Durban Amendment. And how well did that work? Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah. if they can make a clear, if they can, you know, clarify that surcharging and cash discounting should not be banned, that, you know, that that's a free market um, response to rising rates. Right. Then, you know, they have their cake and they can eat it, too. And I think that that personally, I think that that's a policy that would resonate well on both sides of the political alley. Yeah, um, I, I agree. hundred percent. I do. Because, again, I think on. um you know, on the, on the left, there's definitely the reality that lower income individuals are using more cash, more mm-hmm. debit, things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have on uh, the other side of the aisle, you have the the free market capitalism approach. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, I think it I think it does nice here. Both. So you know, who knows? Maybe policyholders will <laughs> may not agree with us. Maybe they don't all listen to this podcast, Patty. But uh, in this case, they probably should listen to this episode. But yeah. it, I do think that would be a really easy swing for them. That would be bipartisan. They could get it done. So, yeah be very interesting to see how it plays out definitely keep us posted on this now i'm assuming we haven't heard anything from policymakers. i mean it's not like they not responded yeah yeah in fact this letter we're this recording this today on the 25th this letter went out on the 22nd so okay this is brand new. fresh yeah. yeah okay good well definitely keep us up, up to date on this this is a very interesting one for sure i will for sure thanks james thank you for listening to the merchant sales podcast whether you are an industry veteran processing executive or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.